You're listening to the Detox and Chill podcast with Megan Dillon and Beck Benyon. We're two millennial women in the corporate world juggling wellness and a fast-paced lifestyle. On this podcast, we're breaking down wellness into digestible episodes that fit into your weekly routine. We're on this journey with you, learning from wellness and lifestyle experts in their fields. From our lighthearted banter, what's the appropriate amount of time to go between shaving our legs? To getting deep about everyday struggles like hormones, societal norms, and gut health, we're your podcast besties. Disclaimer, no late night text needed to detox and chill. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. We hope you're having a great week. Um, So by this time, Meg, you're going to be in Barcelona enjoying the sunshine. Drinking all the wine, eating all the food. I'm so jealous. I think John and I might actually go in September. (gasps) Yay. You've inspired us. Yay. Well, (laughs) hopefully we'll have some good recommendations. I'm sure we will. Yes, please. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so we have some exciting news. Yeah. Like a little bit bittersweet. It's so bittersweet. But we're looking at it from yeah, the right side. Yeah, I think it'll be a great kind of change. Um, so if you haven't heard already, if you don't follow me on Instagram, John and I are moving um, to LA, <laughs> which is crazy. Like, I don't think I've actually wrapped my head around yeah, it. Yeah, I bet it hasn't hit you no. yet. No. Even, I mean, it hit me a couple times last week when we were in LA and we were neighborhood shopping. I definitely broke down in tears a couple times. So I was like, I don't know if I want to move here. <laughs> Boston, well, it's been your home for four, right. four and years. It's just, right? Like it's so, yeah, four years. It's so beautiful in Boston. Even in the winter, I feel like the buildings are just so beautiful. It's very clean. Mm-hmm. Not that this matters, but, like, limited homeless people. And I just, like, I feel like it's a safe city. I can walk around. We've, like, come to love the restaurants. Yeah. And, like, we've made great friends here. Yeah. So. It's so sad, but. Yeah. Maybe you'll be back. Yes. I definitely will be back. So I'll be working with the same company that I am now out of Boston. So I'll be flying back every now and again, which will be good. Yes. Um, and we're just going to be bi-coastal for the podcast, which I think actually is a really great move. It is. And I, I feel like at first we were like, oh no, what's Mm going to happen? But just doing our LA event and meeting all of those Mm -hmm. amazing people, I think we now realize Mm -hmm. that it's going to be so good. Yeah, it is. And John will get to like crush it in his job and it's really cool he's getting to. Yeah. This is like his time to do, you know, something that he's been wanting to do, the, um, job that he's going to be doing is very important. So mm-hmm. I'm so happy for him. He's super excited about it. And he's like a West Coast boy. So yes. he's excited to be back on the West Coast again, closer to his family. Of course, I'll miss my family who's in Pennsylvania and England, but do we the plane right away? Oh, I know. You guys are good about that. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. this is the most exhausting. Yeah. Well, it's, in, I mean, Like, I knew what I was getting myself into when I married John. Even when we were dating, you know, I knew that we would be moving a lot. Have you talked about what he does? So, I don't think so. I mean, we can't. He's in the Air Force. 
if, for those of you who don't know, uh, he's a project manager, a program manager, so he works on the business side of things. Um, right now, he's upgrading an airplane cockpit, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Sounds easy. Um, but his new program will be top secret, so I can't talk about that. I don't even know what he's going to be doing, to be honest. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Don't you want to know? I definitely do, but uh, so it's interesting. So my stepdad... My dad is or was in the Air Force growing up, so and he was on like top secret stuff. Yeah. So I never knew what he did. And so it's interesting, like it's the same thing. Like now I know what John does now, yeah. but in his new position I won't. How do you so, keep that secret, John? If I you're know. listening. Like how do you How do you do it? Because I <laughs> anytime Dan has a secret, I just pick away mm, slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like the security of our country, so I feel like... True. You know? True. Fair. <laughs> it's not like a regular secret, but it yeah. is interesting. So, yeah, so yeah. we'll be doing that. Uh, we're moving October, so we have the full summer, which is great. Mm-hmm. Summer in Boston is the best if you've never experienced it. It's the yes. most magical thing. It's what we work all winter for. Literally. Um yeah, so if you're in LA, if you live there, give me all the advice where to live. Mm. Be my friend when we move there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I feel like we're just going to have so many more guests to bring you mm-hmm. guys as you guys start to build your community there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're going to be by coastal yeah. baby. So don't worry about the podcast. It's still happening. I know. <laughs> guys, we love that you care so we much. It. We love it. <laughs> but every time it makes me a little bit sad when yeah. you're like, but what about the podcast? We would not do that to you right. after We would not year. break up the podcast. <laughs> we wouldn't. And I mean, technology is so like, yeah. it's so easy to, you know, do Talk. that. We do podcasts with people all over the country all the time. So yeah. That'll be the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's the news. Um, and our guest today is from L.A., yes. born and raised. Yes. She's magical. Yes. Um, so she is an amazing holistic chef. Mm-hmm. She's actually the one who did the dessert mood board mm-hmm. for our L.A. event, which was honestly like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was so beautiful. I didn't want to eat it, but I did want to eat it because <laughs> her food is so good. So she... Um, the mood board was all, it was cakes and cupcakes and chocolate and coconut and like this chocolate dip. It was just amazing. There was fruit. It was unreal. It was next level. Um, so we met her then and I, I feel like we knew a little bit about her backstory, but Mm -hmm. honestly this episode, I love all of our episodes, but this one just Mm -hmm. like really brought me back to why we started the podcast. So real and raw. Yeah. Like... Liv was just so vulnerable with us, which we appreciate so much. We never want to force people out of their comfort zones to talk to us, but she was just so willing to share her story, which we appreciate so much because we can learn so much from her and Mm -hmm. from other people who have gone through similar things. And if you're struggling with similar things that Liv talks about, hopefully it helps you. Um, She's definitely come out on top and she's just such an amazing person. Um, And we were truly, truly honored to interview her. Yes. Um, so you guys are going to love this. Check her out, um, at live hungry on Mm -hmm. Instagram. And then as always follow us, leave us a review. You can find us at detox and chill Mm -hmm. on Instagram, on our website, on our email, shoot us a note anywhere. We love to hear Mm -hmm. from you. Um, but I think that's it. Yeah. And we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.
Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. We hope you're having a great day. We're so excited for our guest today. So you will have seen pictures by this point of our event in LA that we did with Jess of Body Bliss by Jess. Um, But if you've seen the pictures, you've seen a certain dessert mood board Mm -hmm. that was the most incredible spread of aphrodisiac foods. And it was just the most beautiful yeah. plate of food I had people asking me if it was real, like what <laughs> everything was made out of. Like that was the hit of the show. It really was. Like we didn't even have to do the panel. We just we could have just had that. <laughs> um, so today we have Liv Krupen, um, and she does a whole host of things, but she's a holistic chef culinary producer, um, and food stylist. Mm -hmm. So do you want to go ahead, Liv, and just introduce yourself for our listeners um, and just give a little background of how you got started in your field? Sure. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me on. This is actually like a dream realized and a total honor. I'm a huge (laughs) fan. So I'm having a moment, number one. Um, (laughs) Hi, I'm Liv. I'm Olivia of Live Hungry. And it's wild. It's been a wild ride. My business and what I do now is so deeply connected to kind of like my personal story. So it's hard for it not to all intertwine. But I originally worked in fashion. I was a wardrobe stylist and a producer. And then somewhere along the line started working in props And then on the side, my side hustle, which obviously you guys are very familiar with the whole side hustle thing. My side hustle was a small scale catering company. And I also went along with an Instagram blog that was titled The Salad Bitch. So so long ago when I was a salad. (laughs) Yeah. So the salad bitch and my little catering company started um, gaining some traction. The more that I started to do that, it seemed to get a lot more attention than any of my styling work. And somewhere along the line, someone that I worked with when I worked in fashion, I worked at um, an e-commerce company called Farfetch, which is actually a great fashion company. Um, one of my coworkers there had been like, you know, why don't you try out for MasterChef? And... I actually grew up watching Food Network and Cooking Channel, and that was kind of where a lot of my interest in food and my food education came from, was from watching cooking shows. And I totally idolized, like, Nigella Lawson and all of the original kind of Food Network stars, Barefoot Contessa, all the people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, my friend had said, why don't you go on the show? And I had never seen it. But I knew it was a Gordon Ramsay show. I knew it was a competition. And I knew it wasn't like a, a one-off episode. I knew that it was the kind of thing where you go and you like live there and you're like yeah. on a reality show. So without really taking that all in too much, I kind of just tried out on a whim. And I ended up making it through. And there's like several rounds. It's kind of a long audition process. But I ended up making it through. And every round I was just like, okay. I keep getting like this keeps happening. I keep (laughs) making it. So eventually I end up on the show and I like was on the show for about three months. You live there. You live in a hotel while while they're filming and while you're going through the challenges. So in the process, I had to leave my fashion job and obviously like leave my apartment, all that stuff. You kind of just like drop your life, which is how Mm -hmm. they make it so that you have a lot more incentive to want to win. Right. So. 
I finished out the show and when I got off, it was just like so clear to me that working in food and my, my interest in cooking and my natural ability for like flavor combinations and all those things, it was just lighting me up a lot more Mm -hmm. than fashion ever did. And Mm -hmm. then I spent about a year doing what I had done in fashion, but doing it for food and for companies like, you know, pop sugar, Buzzfeed, all, all those kinds of things. But it I found there was a lot of similarities. It was a lot of like, do you understand composition? Do you understand what's on trend? Like how to make things beautiful and make them seem easy, which there was a lot of kind of crossover between the two, which I know is mm-hmm. surprising, but it is there from like a cultural perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, after that year of transition, I sort of never looked back. And then the later part of the story has to do with me sort of reckoning with my own uh, personal relationship to food and my body and rethinking all that and going on to kind of take an interest in holistic nutrition and Ayurveda and applying that to what I do now. Mm-hmm. So that's a long answer. <laughs> oh, that's a, like what an amazing story. And the fact that you were able to, you know, experience, you know, the fashion industry, which from what I hear, it's very like fast paced, very mm-hmm. intense, mm-hmm. Um, like physically, emotionally, mentally. And to be able to kind of shift gears a little bit and, you know, like you said, like drop your life basically and go on a show and try this amazing thing. Like not everyone would do that. I mean, I feel like it's pretty, (laughs) like it's pretty bold and pretty brave of you to do that. Um, So what kind of were you thinking, like what were your thoughts as you made that decision um, to go on MasterChef? Like, did you have a battle in yourself or was it just like a no brainer? Like, this is what I'm going to do. Got it. So first of all, great question. Um, Again, it's also intertwined and I want to give you guys kind of the most like Uh, authentic answer I think at that time it was a time when I was kind of in a relationship that wasn't very reflective of where I wanted to be in life I was kind of surrounded by friends that I felt very different from Mm -hmm. and then I was in the fashion industry which was kind of reinforcing all of the negative feelings that I had about my own body I think there was like a time when I was working in fashion when I was like okay everybody here just wants to be a model but we're not all models kind of right. thing. Mm-hmm. And we're all, we're all trying in our own way to like be special and to look the most special, whether it be mm-hmm. like the most thin or dress the most outlandish or right. whatever it may mm-hmm. be. We were just all kind of trying to um, fit in by standing out, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. 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 And for me, I think I definitely like a lot of my identity was wrapped up in being a certain size and I think it's odd how like being enough became acquainted to being like smaller physically Mm -hmm. so when I went on the show I think it was like almost like a secret challenge to myself to like show up for the fact that I had been avoiding food like I was always feeding other people but Mm -hmm. wasn't feeding myself and I think like making this choice to go on a cooking show was me like being like, okay, you're going to choose to face this, even if it's in like the scariest mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so profound. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. And I feel like that's something, I mean, I have not been in an industry where like my 
look, for lack of a better word, is one of the most important things. So I can't imagine that level of pressure you must have had on like a daily basis. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm used to pressure coming from the work itself, let mm-hmm. alone like mm-hmm. what you're wearing to the office, yeah. what your physical body looks like. It's like mm-hmm. a very unhealthy competition. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like, I think what I did too is I, I you know, you look back at these things that you were doing and I think there was a level of like, um, not self-sabotage, I don't know what how to explain it, but just kind of like really pushing my own limits of how, um, I don't want to say little self-worth, but just kind of how much I can sort of give to others without giving to myself. And I think that it was like my relationship was one where I felt like it was very important to look a certain way and to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then my job reflected that. And then my friendships because they were all with people that were in fashion it was all kind of just in the same vein of like be this person that you're not like look this way that is takes you manipulating yourself and I think that it like served a purpose for sure and I think that like just like any other kind of um it is kind of like a mental challenge or anything like that. It serves as like a band-aid. Like I was so focused on those things and like how messed up my relationship was or whatever my relationship to my body was like that, all that stuff was a really good way of distracting from the stuff that was underneath. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that really like addresses what you guys were saying, but no, it it totally does. It just kind of like, I, I look back and it was, awful and it was challenging but I also think like it served me mm-hmm. I chose it you know right yeah, yeah. I real. I remember so I've struggled with disordered eating and we've talked about it on past episodes but I remember having like this intense fear that if I changed and if my body changed that people wouldn't accept me anymore mm-hmm. And that people, like, wouldn't want to be my friend anymore and, like, wouldn't think I was cool anymore and all these things that, you know, they're probably not the right people if they're going to mm-hmm. think that. But mm-hmm. at the time I was going through that, that was, like, the scariest thing in the world to me. Um, so when you made the decision, did did you just go for it and kind of rip off the Band-Aid? Or did you struggle with these thoughts of, like, I'm going to transition my group of friends, like my whole life um, Mm -hmm. to get through this. Well, that leads me to another really interesting story. (laughs) I also like, even before talking to you guys, it's really interesting. Like having the opportunity to do this podcast and to be interviewed has brought up a lot of stuff for me because one, you guys actually shared in a solo episode kind of recently that you struggle um, sharing your successes Mm -hmm. and I think that there's so much from the past like three years up until this moment like right now where I'm it's like a dream come true to be interviewed on a podcast I'm a podcast junkie so I think that it took a long time it was not a rip the band-aid off kind of thing where I I went on to MasterChef and I was like okay the next part of my life I'm going to choose to get healed you know and like I'm going to do all the work and it's going to be so great I think that I actually met it I think that that was the moment where I realized like oh shit like 
this isn't sustainable. I'm, I'm using this container as a way to stay the same, but I'm ready to change. And that's when like staying the same became more uncomfortable. Like the habits that were keeping me the way that I was became more uncomfortable than it would be to change. Mm -hmm. So slowly I started like reach after the show I think it actually took like a year after the show of still working in food. Actually, after the show, I got a live stream cooking show opportunity. So like twice a week, I would live stream this cooking show from my parents' house. (laughs) (laughs) Which it was hilarious. It was like an app that was in beta and they had me do a series of shows and it was really great experience. But I still remember like really loving developing the recipes and photographing the recipes and and doing all of the work but then I didn't want to eat the food Mm. and I think it took about another year and I was still in the same relationship that I had been in throughout the whole time which was very much connected to people in a part of Los Angeles that I see to be very um sort of one one one-sided and potentially Mm -hmm. superficial Mm -hmm. so What ended up happening was I had a very tumultuous and sudden uh, breakup. And I'm trying to decide if I want to share that story. It's a really good story, but it's pretty personal. Yeah, no worries. Um, I'm feeling like, can I just share it with you guys? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. So, or I don't know. I'm not really sure. So I'll, I'll try to keep it pretty PG, but just in case. So basically I'd been in this relationship. There were a lot of extracurricular activities that were not great for one's health that were not Mm -hmm. aligned with me trying to like, um, be just in touch with my body in terms of all the ways, like I was, I was working on being completely sober. I wasn't drinking at all. I wasn't going out at all. I really wanted Mm -hmm. to like feel how it felt to be in my body. Mm -hmm. And the people that I was around again, they were not really on that boat. And I had said to my boyfriend, like, I can't be in this environment anymore. I really want to change. Like, we really need to change as a couple if we're going to stay together. And we'd been Mm -hmm. together for like three years. Yeah. So we found a place and I put the deposit down. And it was the week before we were going to move in. I remember it was a Friday night and I decided like, oh, let's go out for a few drinks. Like, let's go on a date. So I only had like two drinks, which is nothing crazy. Like I can handle (laughs) myself, but I had two drinks and we were in a restaurant. And I think in passing, my boyfriend had said something like defending someone that we know that I think is not taking care of themselves very well. Mm -hmm. And I like looked down at the plates and the glasses with our drinks and I like picked up the drinks and like smashed them on the ground and I was just just like you're a blank and all your friends are blank and I can't blank 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 and I'm done blank 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 and I like go outside and I like get myself together and I come back in and they had like reset the table and my boyfriend's like yo Liv you're drunk like you need to eat something like calm down you don't know what you're saying and I did it again like I I picked up the glasses and like smashed the glasses on the ground and I was just like you know what I'm out of here so I made a very dramatic exit (laughs) I love it yeah I made a super dramatic exit from that relationship and then at that time I actually, because we were living together, I moved home for about three months. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that time is when I really just was like, okay, this is it. Like, there's no looking back. And that's when I, like, told my parents, like, hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. And they mm-hmm. obviously knew. I don't know about your experience, but I think the people around you definitely know. For sure. Totally. Yeah. So they – and also – to take you guys farther back, my dad is a therapist. Oh, wow. Yeah, my dad's a therapist and my mom's an interior designer. So, like, all of the parts of my my inner world and my outer world are things that I think that, like, my support system understood. Yeah. But I think yeah. I did a really good job of making it out like I was okay. And I think because I was on, yeah. quote, like, a TV show, everyone was like, you're doing so well. And right. I'm like, mm, yeah, for sure. not really, not really, yeah. no. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, what a, what a crazy story. But I feel like, I mean, like you said before, these moments that you've been through, I mean, definitely have shaped who you are now. Um, and I thought it was interesting. You mentioned that, you know, you kind of sometimes – you feel uncomfortable, which makes you, you know, like need to change. And I feel like that's so true. Like it may be uncomfortable to change, but at the same time, if you reflect on how your life is right now, mm-hmm. like you feel like you're like crawling out of your own skin. And I, I yeah. definitely, like I've been there and, you know, you don't really know, like you feel like you're kind of stuck. You don't really know what the next step is, but you know, something needs to happen. And like, you don't feel like yourself. You feel like you're like an outsider looking in. It's just, just like this crazy experience. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's something really important to talk about because I don't think a lot of people do talk about it because it is so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and it's, you know, pivotal points in people's lives. But I mean, thank you for sharing that story. I feel like Mm. so many people can, like, learn lessons from that. And maybe if somebody is struggling with a similar Mm. thing, um, they can kind of get some motivation from that. But I'd love to talk about, you know, how you found your power after that breakup, after, Mm. um, you know, kind of stepping out of that world um, and, you know, finding yourself. I know that you mentioned you're still working on it, as we all are, but how is that feeling to finally feel like yourself again? Mm. Well, first of all, thank you for like acknowledging me of <laughs> and, and just encouraging me to share yeah. and making it a safe place. Um, and, and I think you said something in there that really like is there's so much truth in it where you're outside looking in and you're looking mm-hmm. at yourself doing these things and you have your patterns that keep you small but you know that deep within you is like for the lack of a better word like a bigger person and Mm -hmm. a a more um just like a lighter version of yourself I think I look back and it's like there was a lot of it felt so fun and exciting but a lot of it was kind of heavy and I think that making the change and like making those changes I want to I want to answer your question properly. What was the last part of your question? Um so how did it feel when you finally stepped into yourself or more or feeling more like yourself? Right. Okay. So like stepping into myself, I think that it's actually something I'm really playing with now. And I think mm-hmm. it has to do a lot with this idea that you you know, you do know because I think when you're in the process of change, you spend a lot of time being like, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Or, or like, 
I feel like I'm in a fog or like, I don't know if I should go left or if I should go right, or I don't know if I want a full-time job or if I want to be freelance. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if uh, these people actually like me, but wait, do I even actually like them? Like mm-hmm. all those kinds of questions, they run through your head. And I think that what starts happening, the more that you embrace like letting those versions of yourself like slough off and the layers of yourself that aren't you anymore fall off you start being like oh wait I actually know how I feel about those people Mm -hmm. or like I know that my life I'm not happy when I'm structured in like a nine to five scenario and I only have two days off like you start just having that like inner knowing and then on top of hearing that inner knowing you kind of start listening to it and I think that this year has been this past two years is the first time where I've been like I don't need to wait till the house is on fire to leave because I can like smell the smoke Mm -hmm. that's that's to me the big thing and also like I hate to be woo-woo but maybe this is the place to be a little bit woo-woo about it is I do feel (laughs) that whatever you believe in whether it's like god universe you know your your spirit guides whatever like when you take the risk I've just never really not felt like there's not a lot of reward Mm -hmm. and it's kind of that thing of like everything you do leads to everything else that you do. And if you're not like making those changes to do things, you don't know what's next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally agree. So I, I feel like we've talked about this on a few episodes, but I made kind of a huge career 180 and I had so many people. I went from accounting to influencer marketing. So like, wow, we went from one end of the spectrum to another. Totally. Um, But I had so many people be like, are you sure? Are you nervous? Is this the right choice? Like, what, why would you do that? Like, what are you thinking? All this stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, it almost was like, there never was a choice. It was like, I'm so unhappy where I am. It's like, it's not that deep. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I feel like, and to take a step back, we're very, I'm very fortunate that like, you know, I, I'm in a relationship where someone else is working and there are things definitely working in my favor. But I've had this realization in the past year that like, it's not everything and it's not the end of the world. And Mm -hmm. like, we're here to try new things and learn different things and just have different experiences that will take us to the place we ultimately need to be. But like, I was so tired of the patterns of like, I look to my dad who I love to death, but has gone to the same job year Mm -hmm. after year and just like hates it Mm -hmm. I'm just not gonna fall into that trap so maybe this won't work and maybe it will be a mistake but I'll at least be in a position where I can figure out a new like a new step from there I'll meet new people and figure it out so I don't know I'm just in this place where like career is important but it's just not it's not everything it's not the be all and end all and it's just not that that deep well and it's also I think when I met you guys too just a few weekends ago I was in even a different place than I am now I basically so the later part of my career after that year of transition I was working with a creative agency very consistently that represented food brands and then I also had a lot of freelance work and so my work was very much kind of like a melting pot of different things and some of it was oriented you know oriented toward like what I'm interested in personally which is like holistic health and that kind of stuff and some of it was like ketchup and mustard and like hummus <laughs> companies literally and like you know what those people I liked working with those people and I liked having the different variety and I liked being in places where 
um, I got to come and sort of be like a feature and like, right. like, you know, the little, you know, thing for the day. And then I leave. And then mm-hmm. what ended up happening was I started working with a YouTube channel that had an incre- has and had an incredible following that's based in around baking mm-hmm. and sweets, you know, specifically. So I was like literally still recovering very much so. And I was faced every day with baking mm. like the most delicious right. <laughs> foods. Oh, so man. it's, you know, I had really like, sometimes I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? And other times I'm like, wow, you're so strong for like really facing this head on. But basically I ended up eventually going in house there and I had never been full time at a place before ever doing like a nine to five type thing Mm -hmm. and it became like so so just every little moment of my life it it overtook and it was so important to me and then I sort of had this realization in the past like six months that like I'm not going to be there for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like it's not going to, I'm not going to, it's not going to be. And also I'm not that important. Like if I leave, there'll be another me. Right. Kind of mm-hmm. So yeah, only in the last two weeks did I actually tell, tell them formally, like I'm, I'm looking to move on to a different part of my career and I'm, yeah. you know, launching my own um, business again. So, and I think like when you get rid of that fragility, fragility, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, there's just so much more possibility when you're not afraid yeah. right. of what's not right. going to happen. It's like, what about what could happen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, congratulations, yeah. by the way. That's huge. It's such a big step. Um, and we're so excited to see what you have coming. Uh, we know it's going to be absolutely incredible. Thank um, you. But the fact that you like, you know, there's always going to be something else out there for mm-hmm. you. It's just the fact of grabbing it yeah. or not grabbing it, like giving, mm-hmm. like leaning into it or not leaning into it. And it's fine either way, but you just have to decide what's really going to make you truly happy mm-hmm. and what's really going to light you up. And, you know, I, I found it interesting learning about human design recently and learning kind of about our individual um, unique um, kind of traits mm. is that some people don't just innately don't work well working eight hours or nine hours a day. It just doesn't work for them. And totally. some people, you know, can get the same work done in two hours that other people get done in mm. eight hours. And it's just the way that you were born and the way that you, you know, work. And so the fact that, you know, so many companies are being more flexible with that, I think is completely amazing. I think there's so a long way to go with that. Yeah, especially in the corporate world, we're seeing that every single day. Um, But I feel like as more people learn about this and, you know, more people like you share their stories, the more empowered our generation is going to be to kind of fight back and say, like, no, I don't need to be in the Mm -hmm. office from nine to five every day. Like I can get the same things done Mm -hmm. at home. And then I can also go to my doctor's appointment or I can also go to like a therapy session. Yeah. Mental health, you know, is more aligned with what it what I need it to be so I think you know thank you again for sharing your story it's just I I get like so fired up about it. <laughs> okay well can I ask you guys a few questions first of all what are your human design types oh yeah so I am a manifesting generator okay or no I'm a manifester yeah you're I a manifesting, I'm a manifesting yeah. and generator. I'm a manifester yeah, yeah. what are fascinating. you I am a generator Amazing. Do you guys know your profiles? We do. And yes. I can't 
remember. We oh. had um, Aaron Claire Jones on, mm-hmm. who's amazing. I, I remember. It was an amazing episode. <laughs> yeah, we love her. Yes. Um, what's your profile, though? I will somewhere along the line too of all this like personal development stuff. I also mm-hmm. totally fell down the rabbit hole with human design. And o- honestly, I think it's pretty unique to the podcast community. I think like anybody who's like a girl that listens to health and wellness podcasts is deeply like we all want to become human design readers secretly. For sure. Yeah. yeah. That's my 17th job. Oh, like I, I got the book. I got the book. I remember like recently, I, I forget where I was. I was somewhere, but I ended up like waiting for friends at a bar and I was like reading the human design thing on my phone. Amazing. <laughs> but my profile, I'm a, it's been so interesting learning about it. So I'm a hermit opportunist, which feels so accurate to how I am because I think also another part of embracing like that nine to five, which by the way, anybody that does work a nine to five, like that's amazing. I wish that I could have that kind of structure laid out for me because mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time like needing needing things to be different all the time, but then not accepting that I don't have structure and like right. beating myself up for being like, why can't you just, you know, work in this particular way? But I think when I did learn my profile and learn a little bit more about the human design, I was like, oh, like I need to be away from people for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm around people, And my job is very social. Like when you're shooting or when you're on set, anybody that's done any work in production, like the mood is so important because it's really long days. So you just have to continually be like on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that it's that's been another part of it, too, is just generally accepting like my whole life. My sister was a book editor editor at Stanford. My brother is also a chef, like professionally trained and has like a kind of corporate job in food. He works at Cisco. So I was always comparing like why, like go find your version of that. And I just, Mm -hmm. I think I finally have just been like, okay, I'm just going to, I need to make my own idea Mm -hmm. of what works. Yeah. Well, and the more you lean into, you know, your abilities as a unique human, the more you're going to do and the Mm -hmm. more you're going to get done and the more you're going to produce into the world and the better it's going to be. If you're, Mm -hmm you know, half-assing something because you think that's what you're supposed to do, yeah. it's not going to be a great product. Really like coming from a place of, like, I'm being forced to do this. Right. Yeah. Um, and it just exhausts. Like, when you don't love what you're doing, you don't have the energy to do the things you do like. Oh, right. my God. It's like, so I, hard. Yeah, I look back even a year ago, and, like, on the weekends, I just couldn't bring myself to do anything because I – I just, like, needed to recover from a week of being sucked, like, the soul sucked Mm -hmm. out of me. And that sounds dramatic, but anyone who's been in that same position, like, totally understands that feeling. And it just takes away from all aspects of your life. And I think, too, even my relationship has improved so much. Um, Shout out to Dan. He would say (laughs) the same thing. But I'm just just happier as a person and as a human. And he notices, too. It's, I mean, it's just been fascinating, too, because I would say that, like, I've been really lucky to always have a passion. Like, I think some people don't have an interest. Like, I've always had very specific niche interests where I can find the, like, point A to point B to do the thing, but then I don't know what's after that. But I think what ended up happening was that a lot of my early parts of my adult life a a lot of it was focused on like inner work and romantic relationships and I think Mm -hmm. once I sort of started working on myself and removed 
some of these like negative characters I it's the first time I really had been forced to like look at my relationship to my career Mm -hmm. and it really has been a struggle to figure out like okay I work for myself like Mm -hmm. and I don't I still don't really necessarily identify as being like an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. so it's that I think that that's what the next part of this is about is about being like I am my business like I am the thing yeah it's true so I am curious, how would you describe your relationship with yourself now compared Mm. to, you know, seven years ago? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, (laughs) it's it's so it's honestly, it's really it's really emotional for me. I I feel so um, I'm like in awe constantly. I sort of Mm -hmm. will have these moments when I'm like driving and I'm like looking around and like this the sun looks a certain way and there's like palm trees everywhere and there's like a music playing and I will have been like put on a certain outfit or something and I kind of feel myself from outside myself and I'm like how is this my real life and my real body and I get to like experience these wild and crazy things that is just life so I think I've become a lot more aware. First of all, I'm a lot more aware that like I do have a relationship to myself and that everything I think and everything that I sort of like, you know, comes through my mind, it it counts. Mm -hmm. So just having that awareness is a, is a big thing. And I think I just have so much more appreciation for the fact that I'm alive. It's not like, Oh, you're alive. Thus you should be this way. It's like, Oh, I'm alive. So I can be anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, Gonna quote that. Oh my gosh, put in my Instagram bio. <laughs> no, that, that's, I don't even feel like that was very succinct. I do. I want to like just touch on. It's sad, but there's a very particular feeling I remember I had when I. I don't even think I knew I had an eating disorder. I just knew that I like nothing was okay. I just knew yeah. that I had these rules and that there were very few things that were were not against the rules and then I think when I became aware of like oh this is what this is like this is an actual like thing that you're you're reckoning with here I remember like gaining some weight and looking in the mirror and being like oh you look like you're there like you can see you and I remember then thinking my next thought was you must not want to be here like you want to be physically less in the physical world and I think now like I'm so happy when I catch myself in a moment where I'm like, oh, you look a, you look a little juicy here or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. like, like be there, be right. there, like fully, you yeah. know, this is your space mm-hmm. to be yeah. in the world. Yeah. And like my life suit, like this is how I experience. <laughs> and now my business is so much around like your relationship just like your relationship to an event is kind of what creates your feelings. It's not mm-hmm. the event itself. Like your relationship to food and to your body is what creates how you, you feel about, you know, like how you feel about the food and how you digest it too. It's not like just, oh, I'm allergic to gluten. And so I act a certain way. It's how you feel mm-hmm. about being allergic to gluten. Does that right. make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah. It makes yeah. so much sense. And last question for me, but I think, It's interesting for me to think about um, from your perspective, but being in the wellness industry now for you, how, how do you navigate that? Like, do you ever think back and like, 
you have different watch outs from when you went through your disordered eating or is it just kind of like you love what you do so much that it never crosses your mind is it something you have to think about or do you feel like you've fully transitioned out of that Mm, such a good question and so important because I think I'm surrounded by a group of women in Los Angeles like people that I know and also people that I just kind of interact with or see or admire from their social media accounts or in different sort of event spaces and I think a lot of people like every single person is a whole universe and every single person has a story there's no one that doesn't have something that they've dealt with and I think Mm -hmm. especially women but also men too like we all reckon with having a body and being in control of it and I think it would be you know it, I, I think that it's important that people know that even people in the wellness industry sort of have to like be cognizant and keep themselves in check. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of the way that we're marketed to creates um, what's called orthorexia, yeah. which is the obsession with like the right foods or healthy eating. I think that like being, being perfect in any way is, is not obtainable. Right. So I think for me, it's, it's really checking in with like, I know when I'm doing things for a reason that doesn't have to do with why I'm doing it. Like I know when I'm eating and I know when I'm eating emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that I do still. And I think probably for a long time, I'll have to check in with like, what is this about? Like when I'm doing things a certain way, whether it be if I want to spend a week like eating a little bit healthier or if I'm on vacation and I want to sort of like, you know, drink and eat fries every single day. Like, is it just because I'm on vacation? Like, Mm -hmm. what is, you know, just constantly checking in with like the subtext because nothing is is meaningless kind Mm -hmm. of. Yeah. 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 That's a really good point. Um, so for our listeners, I'm sure they're dying to know like where to find you, how they can follow mm. along with what you're doing, your new business plan. Um, so can you share that with us? Yes, of course. Um, so the best place to find me is on Instagram. A lot of what I do is work on developing content for other brands and also trying to ramp up my own content as well. So I share recipes and inspiration, inspiration images there. So that's at live hungry on Instagram and I'm working, I don't want to like jinx it, but I, a lot of what I do is sugar, gluten, dairy-free baked goods. So I'm actually in the process right now of developing a line of cookies. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that will be in some local grocery stores and coffee shops and things like that. So stay tuned for that one. Amazing. We definitely will. And we can attest to your delicious baked goods because the mood board cake and cupcakes were unreal so good thank so you delicious. so much thank you that was honestly like all my favorite people in one place that event it was incredible <laughs> same yeah. um well thank you so much you were just beautiful inside and out I when we first met you we and you said that you had been listening since the first episode and you were fangirling we're like who are you we like, like <laughs> looked over our shoulders who, <laughs> who are you talking about Oh my god. No, I meant it. And you know what? It's funny. Like since that night I've been saying or since that day I've been saying to myself, like, what did I even say to them? Like, why did they want to interview me? So I I'm just so I'm way. so grateful. And I'm so grateful to even have the opportunity to to have this experience. It's such a yeah. cool way to reflect and just thank you guys so much. You guys are killing it. <laughs> thank you so much, yeah. Liv. And it was so great to meet you in person. 
and just get to know you. And this episode has been amazing. Yes. We love you so much. Thank you. I love you guys too. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course. And as always, you can find us at detoxandchillpodcast.com on Instagram. Um, we have a couple of exciting things coming up this summer. We have more events for you. So stay tuned for those. And yeah, have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>